Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Imagine if there was one person who had all answers, who could step forward, snap their fingers, and the immense heart-wrenching issues of the world were resolved. Imagine that that person could stabilize the financial markets. Wars would cease. Jihad would be history. The world hungers for such a person. She may not have to wait much longer, because I believe personally that man is alive today in the wings and preparing to make his entrance on the world stage. The majority, the Bible says, will follow him, never knowing that his entrance begins the march to a battle called Armageddon. For this man is not the world's savior. He's the emissary of the underworld. He's not Christ. He's Antichrist. In a sense, we've always struggled with the spirit of the Antichrist. But the man of sin is soon to appear. But God's already provided the antidote. That is, you and me, anointed by the Spirit. John wrote in 1 John 2, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing, and that is the antidote for the Antichrist. My name is Ken Gurley, and welcome to Daily Devotion. We are marching through some of the things that we're going to see at the end of time. The beloved John has written to his children in the faith. He tenderly said, little children, it's the last hour. That we live in the last of the last days. And this is perhaps a too well-worn expression in our time. We've come through so many times where people have said, this is the last day. I mean, all the way back in 110 AD, Ignatius wrote, the last days are upon us. Wait carefully the times. Look for him who is above all time, external and invisible. 236 AD, Hippolytus wrote that Christ was sure to return by 500 AD. In 375 AD, Martin of Tours wrote, there is no doubt that the Antichrist has already been born, firmly established in his early years. He will, after reaching maturity, achieve supreme power. Coming upon the first millennium after Christ, predictions went rampant as to the last days. Some did not plant crops. Buildings weren't repaired. Details of daily living were ignored. 500 years later, Martin Luther wrote, we have reached the time of the white horse of the apocalypse. This world will not last any longer than a hundred years. In 1666, you can imagine the millennium plus the number of the Antichrist, 666, there was a rampant increase that this was the last day. The great fire of London happened that year. It was proof to some that it was the end of time. One pastor wrote that each time a storm hit in that year of 1666, his entire congregation would flee to the church house to await the second coming. In 1836, John Wesley predicted that the last days would arrive and Christ would come. The mid-1800s, the so-called Millerites predicted the Lord's return once, twice, three times. The Pentecostal revival of the 20th century began with the millennial expectation that the Lord would soon return and the power of God would come back to his church. 
1910, the return of Halley's Comet was prophesied to precipitate the coming of the Lord. Nine times one certain religious group has predicted the coming of the Lord. In 1874, 1878, 1881, 1910, 1914, 1918, 1925, 1975, and 1984. To my knowledge, all have fallen short. We were told in 1967, when Jerusalem was reclaimed by Israel, that the times of the Gentile had come to a close and that Jesus would come. 88 Reasons Why He Was Coming in 1988, the sequel printed in 1989, did not sell near so many. Then who can forget the why to scare? Then we had the Mayan calendar and the blood moons and, well, you get the picture. Why mention all of this? Because it represents the threshold that must be overcome before we can talk about the last of days. People have heard so many prophecies saying the end of the world has come, that to some it's become nothing but a point of mockery. But in spite of all of those prophecies, this is no laughing matter. We have a more sure word of prophecy, the word of God. And John said, little children, it is the last hour. The last days began when God's spirit was poured out upon mankind at Pentecost. You remember Simon Peter quoted Joel. He said, this is that prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so the day of Pentecost began the last days. Scripture gives us several signs that we are living in the last days. Jesus said the end of the age would be marked by deception. Many saying, I am Christ. Let me just stop there and say the word Christ means anointed one. Many will come claiming an anointing and a power, and they will deceive many. There will be wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. These are the beginning of sorrows. I do believe we're living in the last of the last days. Forces are being applied to this world, external forces. The power of darkness is coming against this world in this day as never before. Jesus would go on to say that the predominant theme of the last day would be one of lawlessness, not just the refusal to come to a complete halt at a stop sign, but the defiance of all that was good, orderly, and godly. Because of this spirit of lawlessness that's loosed upon the world, the love of many will wax cold. They will cool off one degree at a time. It will be an era when evil is called good and good is called evil. And God-given understandings and institutions and morals will be challenged and mocked. It's no accident that in the midst of this lawlessness, a man the Bible calls the lawless one will appear. He's called the man of sin, and he's coming soon. Scripture has other names for him. He's called the deceitful man, Psalm 5, the wicked one, Psalm 10, the man of the earth, also in Psalm 10, the violent man, the 140th Psalm, the spoiler, Isaiah 16, the profane and wicked prince, Ezekiel 21, the little horn in Daniel 7, the prince that shall come, Daniel 9, the vile person, Daniel 11, the willful king, the same chapter. The man of sin, 2 Thessalonians 2, the son of perdition in the same chapter, and the lawless one, 
also found in 2 Thessalonians 2. He's called the Antichrist and the liar, 1 John 2. He's called the beast, Revelation 11, Revelation 13. Who is this man of sin? He's the opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is a savior to those who believe. The Antichrist is the supposed savior of those who don't believe in Jesus. In Arthur Pink's book, The Antichrist, the author reminds us that Satan is the master counterfeiter, and his final production will be a blasphemous imitation of the divine incarnation. The same enemy who transforms himself into an angel of light will empower a man, the Antichrist. Who and what is the Antichrist? In this subject today, the antidote for the Antichrist, we need to know who he is. The Antichrist is a man who will rule not a country, but the world one day. What Julius Caesar was in his day, we will see a world leader come on the scene with the charisma, intellect, and power and authority that will dominate this planet. He will capture the hearts and minds of the whole world. He will operate in three arenas, financial, religious, political. And by the time he has come into power, he will have taken control of these three areas. And when he assumes control, no one will buy or sell without his mark in their hands or their forehead. He will rule the pocketbook. He will rule the politburos and parliaments. He will rule the cathedrals and temples and mosques, small and great, rich and poor, all of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, will bow before him and will worship him, or they will be slain. There's a war between nationalism and globalism taking place right now. All that's necessary is the charismatic, powerful man to step forward and to dominate the world. And seeing this, seeing that we are on the precipice of just such a thing, what can we do? We have an antidote, a remedy for the Antichrist. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not appeasement. The Western church has been like Chamberlain at the outset of the Second World War, proclaiming peace in our times with the Third Reich. It didn't work then. It doesn't work now. The enemy lies. Anytime we try to appease the enemy, we are going to lose. And this is where the Western church and the American church has been, looking for common ground and middle ground and seeking paths of compromise to remove the sharp edges from her message and lifestyle. She's tried to go along, to get along with the world. And how's that worked out for the church? It reminds me of that old poem where the world asked the church to walk with him a while. For a time she resisted, but then she yielded. That burning desire for respectability overcame the church. And later in the poem, it says, Then the sons of the world and the sons of the church walk closely hand in heart. And only the master who knoweth all could tell the two apart. The church blends in with the world. Her salt is not salty. Her light has grown dim. And all the while, an antichrist is rising in the wings. Our antidote is not appeasement. The anointing is the antidote. Jesus said that the antidote is an anointing from the Holy One. 
that the battle we face right now will not be won through polls and surveys and voting booths or carnal things like weaponry. No, this war will be won when a fresh move of the Spirit sweeps over every child of God. We have an anointing from the Holy One. That anointing is the antidote to the era and to the day that we now face. I believe when that anointing begins to be shed abroad upon believers' hearts all over this nation, there will be an awakening and the power of God will sweep this world. I was reading through the book of Jude the other day. Sort of the key word for Jude is ungodly. Jude comes before Revelation and reveals, I think, the attitude and the mindset of those on the cusp of the coming of the Lord. It's ungodly. After describing the depths of depravity that will be seen in this world, this half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That spirit, that anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ is the antidote for the Antichrist. It's needed in every child of God's heart. It's needed in every Christian home. It's needed in every church and small group and class and choir and assembly. We need to let that anointed spirit flow in our life. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the spirit, saith the Lord. That is the antidote for the Antichrist. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.